What's up? Hope you guys are having a great day today. My name is Matthew Spazzitti, and welcome back for another episode of the Matthew Spazzitti program. Where we talk about financial freedom and economics. All right, so hey, if you guys are joining me here for the very first time today, I'd like to say, first and foremost, I'd like to say welcome. And if you guys haven't already done so, go ahead and take the 10 episode challenge. If you want to get the most out of this podcast and you want to get the most out of the show in general, then the best way to do that is to take the 10 episode challenge where you go back and you listen to the last 10 episodes. Pretty simple. The reason why I ask you guys to do that is because there's a lot of value back there. There's a lot of great content that I've created back there. And on top of that, I'm, I very well might be referencing, I'm going to be referencing things from the past 10 episodes that you guys just aren't going to be aware of if you don't go back and you listen. You know, we might be using some lingo, some definitions, you know, s- some terminology, not really definitions, but terminologies that you, you may just not be aware of if you don't go back and listen to the last 10 episodes. So if you love what I'm doing here, you like the message, then go back and listen to the last 10 episodes. You'll get the most value out of the show. And also, if you love what I'm doing here, then please go and give me a rating review on iTunes. Ladies and gentlemen, that is one of the number one ways that you guys can help me out grow the show is by giving me a rating and review on iTunes. And the main reason is that, you know, when you you guys give me a rating review, it helps me get the, it helps the show get on the rankings, right? The more reviews we get and whatnot gets the show on the rankings and that helps the show become more visible when it comes to iTunes. So it's very, very helpful. So if you guys are liking what I'm doing, doing here, then please take the time and go give the show a rating and review. All right, so today we're going to be talking about you know, just fighting against this onslaught of just barbaric and draconian, you know, overreach from local governments and the federal government and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, it just, I'm here, it's out there on social media, right? It's unavoidable. You can't really avoid all of it all the time. I, I trust me, I try to do a lot of that. I try to avoid, you know, reading a lot of stuff about, you know, the lockdowns and all this kind of stuff. I mean, I do a lot about reading about the economic data, so of course I can't avoid, you know, all that information. But when it comes to a lot of this stuff, one of the most damaging things is just how many little dictator wannabes out there there are when it comes to the governors and the mayors of different cities and the governors of different states and all this kind of stuff. It just, it's beyond the pale. And the kind of, I mean, many states are, are, are t- thinking about going back into a lockdown again. Many states have already done so, you know, all because of the numbers are rising, the numbers are rising. Yeah, if you believe the numbers, the numbers are fake. You can't trust the numbers. They're completely fraudulent. You know, the, the number of cycles that they're using for these tests are set higher than the than what is typically standard medical practices as far as I'm aware you know the number of cases and the number of deaths the, the the classification for what is considered a covid case or a covid death 
you know, and whatnot, is again the the bar is is so low. They they, they, they classify so many things as being under the envelope of COVID nineteen. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the truth. This is what's really going on. The numbers are completely fraudulent. They're they're propping the numbers up because they love the power and the authority that it gives them. They love how easily the American populace is just capitulating to whatever they say. And I think a lot of that is it has a, a limited time frame. And what I mean by that is I think a lot of that, you know, the power that they have, it, it's going to be limited in terms of how long they can continue. Eventually, people are just going to get fed up and are going to force them to effectively stop being these this dictator and and stop the draconian measures. That That's that's eventually, at least I hope, but I, I'm pretty sure eventually we're going to start seeing that happen. We are starting to see that happen a little bit already. You know, there have been some sheriffs coming out in California that are saying we're not going to enforce these lockdown measures by, you know, Gavin Newsom. You know, you've got all kinds of different examples of dissent and just non-compliance in general. And I think it's a beautiful thing. For those of you guys who listen to me for any length of time, I have said this time and time again. Again, go back and listen to, you know, last 10 episodes or, or more, you know, uh, in fact, uh, this episode may be further back than that. So if you, if you love in this show, you know, hey, binge watch as much as you, or binge listen to as much as you want. But the fact of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, is that I have actually said this many times, is that how you fix a lot of this is nullification. Okay. What in order to have nullification, we need to have uh, elected officials. We need to have people in power that are going to do the things that are right and are going to do the things that are going to defend the rights and the liberties of the people, okay? We need good people in power. So, you know, when I've spoken a lot, this may sound a little hypocritical. Let me, let me explain why. Because I've spoken a lot about how I don't agree with voting, I don't agree with democracy, I don't agree with republics, you know, how I'm a monarchist, and uh, which, yeah, for those of you guys who don't know, I'm a monarchist, right? It's <laughs> uh, it's true, I am, and you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to be ashamed of it, yeah, I know it's weird to hear someone in the 21st century say they're a monarchist, uh, especially in America, I mean, I'm an American, it may not be that weird if you're in the UK, where you have a, a monarchical family, you have a, a royal family, and you have a, a, a constitutional monarchy, where the in all honesty, the monarchy is nothing more, they're a little bit more than a figurehead. They do hold a lot of persuasion and influence over the people. The people trust them, they like them, they watch them, and whatnot. And as a result of that, if if the queen was to come out and give her opinion on a particular subject, which the queen is tries to stay neutral in a lot of ways, I'm not entirely sure she should, she should always be neutral, but she has considerable uh, a power when it comes to influence, and also, in some ways, the culture itself. But she a you know, the monarchy is a deep embedded part of the, U the United Kingdom, the, the English culture. And I think that's a beautiful thing. So it wouldn't, but it's, it wouldn't be that weird if I, I was in the UK and whatnot. Of course, there are monarchists over there, but in America, it's a little weird. And I'm not a constitutional monarchist. I don't believe in constitutional monarchy. Well, I mean, I don't view a constitutional monarchy as an actual monarchy. I view an absolute monarchy, basically a, a monarch who has absolute power, right, uh, as being probably one of the better systems that the world has ever, has come up with. And yeah, it had a lot of varying different performances depending on which nation and throughout the nation and, and which king or queen that was in charge and stuff. I'm not saying it was perfect. It definitely was not perfect. They had a lot of problems. Trust me. I'm just saying on the grand scheme of things, when you take human nature into effect 
and you look at the world in terms of the systems that have we have the most data on in terms of the performance, we have a lot of information on monarchy. We know that it can go really well. And it can be a one of the an amazing system and really good for the people. Or we also know that it could go very very poorly, even when it goes bad. And I think we need to ask ourselves this question: We need to compare the worst of monarchy with the worst of democracy and republics, which is would be socialism, communism, fascism, you you name it, and see which one was best, or which which one performed the best, and which one was was worse. I would like to say, and I take the stance that even at its worst, the worst monarchs in the world, in human history, were not as bad as the worst dem- democratic and republic systems or or their the, the children. Because socialism and communism are very much the children of democracy. Fascism, again, these are the children of democracy. This is the inevitable outcome of democracy. They always end in misery and destruction and things of that nature. They don't end well. I mean, look at the Greek civilizations. They tend not to end well. That That's just the fact and that, that's just the truth. They tend not to end well. So anyways, with that said, this is not a an episode of that, but I, I am a monarchist. So, But that being said, it may sound hypocritical when I say this, but I actually do believe that on a, on a national level, okay, I don't think that voting really does much. I think there's a lot of very powerful special interest groups that make it largely, yeah, I would say almost impossible to get anything done, to change anything. Because if you go to the, the the national elections, which is what everybody focuses on, and you go to those national elections and you start focusing on, you know, the president and, and who the president can appoint, like, you know, the Federal Reserve or the Supreme Court Justice, there are so many special interest groups. Many people call it the deep state. Some people, I mean, I would just say it's just the nature of the state, nature of government in general. There are going to be bureaucrats that serve for life or at least have very low turnover rates and they hop from being on the boards of some big corporations and back over to to government. And some of them are career politicians. They just stay in government pretty much indefinitely. And they're there regardless of the administration that is voted on and that is allowed to be, you know, put into the government. And and that is very, very much in the, the view of the people where, Whereas these politicians, these bureaucrats who don't actually get elected, they're appointed and they can serve for life, these individuals amass a massive amount of power and they've got their dirty fingers and everything and they're the ones that I believe have the true power, right? But anyways, with that said, this may, you know, so I don't necessarily believe that voting on a national level does anything. I don't believe there's a point in it. But when it comes to the local level, it's a bit of a different story. So I think that when it comes to local level politics and uh, and voting in that sense, while I'm still not a fan of democracy, I still do not like democracy. I stand by everything that I have said and that I have criticized. But when it comes to local elections, that type of stuff makes more sense to me. And I, it still may depend on your state whether or not it makes sense to vote or whether or not it makes sense to run in those types of elections. But the fact of the matter is this, okay? I, I don't hold democracy and voting up on a pedestal. I don't think very fondly of it. But when it comes to electing people on a local level, there is more, I could see a better argument made for that than on the national level. And I can definitely see people wanting to vote on the local level because your local officials have a lot of power. They are the immediate power source, the closest to you. 
and there's a lot less, you know, special interest groups. There still are special interest groups. It's just, I, I, I have a feeling that there's a lot less. When it comes to the local elections, these can be important elections. But that said, though, ladies and gentlemen, I think that we need to, if you're going to focus on politics at all, you're going to focus on voting, you're going to focus on that kind of stuff. It makes more sense to focus on the local elections and to try and get better uh, local officials in who are going to uphold your liberties and your freedoms. That makes more sense because when it comes down to it, the federal government can very easily implement laws and regulations that the local governments can simply just say, yeah, we're not going to listen to that. You know, the state of Texas, which is the state that I live in, I live in uh, North Texas in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and, you know, frankly, they could just come up and they could just say, yeah, we're, we're, we're not going to listen to that. We do not acknowledge that law that you just passed. We do not acknowledge that regulation. We do not acknowledge what you're telling us, you know, and they, they can even withhold taxes from the federal government if they if they so desire. Granted, that would incur the wrath of the federal government. They would say, okay, fine. We're not going to distribute federal funding to you and all your programs. And then that would make a lot of people very angry. So that that is one thing is, but they could do it. They could say, ah, we're just not going to, we're, we're not going to give you the tax dollars that you, that you get from our state. We're going to pocket it ourselves, use it for our own purposes and, and whatnot. Absolutely something that could happen when you have power. You can, and particularly on the local level, you can nullify, you can stand up to the federal government. You can stand up to them and you can say, we no longer are going to let you bully us around. We're no longer going to let you tell us what to do. And I, I think that's a beautiful thing. And so I think if you're going to focus on politics at all on the local level it makes sense, but we need more people. We need peop good people to have power. It might sound funny to say that, but we need good people to have power and authority so that we can, in effect, affect change. That's what we need. And there are some who are starting to stand up. Hopefully, this will be a trend that you will see across the entire nation. You know, here in Texas, Governor Greg Abbott did have a lockdown, and I very much disagreed with the lockdown. You know, I kind of, I don't know if I actually went on record with regard, I think I did with regards to the show, but I basically said, I don't care how bad the pandemic is. Yeah. And this was before I, I believed that it was all manipulated and, and, and it was just purely fear with really no substance under the fear. There was nothing to really be afraid of. But before I felt that way, I said that I didn't care how bad it got. That ultimately there could be people dying in the streets and I would never support a lockdown. Many he people heavily criticized me for that. That was a very, uh, seemed like a very hardline stance. But I said that these, the models that they're basing the sphere off of are, have, are notoriously wrong. They do not have a very high accuracy. And I have a little experience when it comes to economic forecasting, you know, and I can tell you that a lot of the data that's implemented into those equations, those mathematical formulas, those charts, a lot of it's guesswork. It's almost all guesswork. There's a lot of guesswork that you are effectively just shooting in the dark for. You don't know. They're just variables, and it's all guesswork, really. A lot of it is. That's why they're not accurate, because it's basically just a guess. You can use whatever variables you want. And it's not as though they're making it clear what kind of mathematical formula they use. It's not as though they're making it very clear, you know, what variables they use. So it's kind of a black box system. You don't really know what's inside. 
So anyways, you know, but but even then, I said, I stood against the lockdowns even on the Texas level. I said, no, do not lock down. Even if this is as bad as people say, let the people decide whether they want to lock down on their own and, and self-isolate. But do not do it. Don't mandate it. Don't say that there are businesses that are non-essential. There's no such thing as a non-essential business. We talked about this in earlier episodes. And basically, I would say, I don't care how bad this thing gets. I, I, I don't care. And I was heavily, heavily, heavily criticized for it. Heavily criticized. You know, they're like, well, Matthew, what if your wife and your daughter die? Well, I would be devastated. I would be absolutely devastated. I really would be. But if... It's hard for me to say this. I don't want to sound like I'm not... Like I don't care. I, I do very much care. But I guess if God has determined that it is... It was their time to go, then what could I have done against it? Do you really think that God is... <laughs> I guess if, if, if you're not a Christian, you don't believe this, then you're not going to agree with me. And that's, that's, that's cool. That's fine. You, you don't have to. But the fact of the matter is I do. And I believe that if it was your time to go, there's absolutely nothing that you could have done. It was your time to go. You know, eating healthy wouldn't have changed it. It, it wouldn't have mattered. You know, if it's, a, if, it's, if it's a health issue, again, eating healthy wouldn't have changed. If it's an issue of, you know, staying away from some virus, you know, that that wouldn't have changed it. The fact of the matter is, if you lock down, you still have a whole lot of risks associated with locking down. I mean, you can't totally lock down. It, it, you can't totally isolate yourself from the entire world. You would die of starvation. Where are you going to get your food? Someone has to deliver it to your door. Or you got to go out and get it to someone. Someone's got to hand it to you right? Uh, even if there was a robot that handed, th that someone handed the food to a robot and whatnot, and the robot handed it to you, well, guess what? That person still touched it. You have gloves on? Okay, well, they still touched the gloves. The fact of the matter is that there is no amount of isolation that's going to affect a virus. A virus is going to spread through the country, and there's nothing we can do about it. We like to think that we can wear masks. We like to think that that has any kind of effect. It doesn't. It really doesn't. There are plenty of, of studies out there that ha that are now showing, and have shown before, by the way, before all the COVID-19 stuff, uh, there were plenty of studies out there that showed before this that the whole idea of wearing a mask helps is largely more of a psychological thing, and there's not enough conclusive evidence to, to even suggest that wearing a mask is helpful or that wearing a mask e e solves the problem, you know, that, that prevents you from getting sick. You can't even suggest it. There's no, nowhere near close to being enough conclusive evidence to say that. On top of that, when it comes to lockdowns, there's no there's not enough evidence to say that lockdowns are even effective, that isolation is even effective. Again, unless you intend to become self-sustaining and you no longer need to eat food, unless you evolve, if you believe in evolution, unless you evolve to the point where you no longer need to eat or whatever, yeah, someone's going to be touching the stuff that you bring home to eat. It gets pretty ridiculous after a while. You know, I mean, I had thoughts when, when uh, before we knew what this stuff was, and I was always skeptical from day one, but before we knew from what this stuff was, you know, I'd go, I'd, I'd grab our food, you know, our, our fast food or whatever, and I, I'd bring it home. I would, right after touching it, being handed to it in the, in the drive-thru, I would Purell my hands, I'd sanitize my hands, and then which was, by the way, horrible for my hands. My hands were cracking and bleeding and dry. It was awful. And then on top of that, you know, I'd come home. I'd put the bag down. I'd wash my hands. I'd put it down on the coffee table, which is usually where my wife and I eat food. 
you eat, we eat our dinner at the coffee table most of the time. Uh, we just, you know, being a, a young married couple, that's, that's kind of what you do before you have kids. Now that we have our, our, our little daughter, our little girl, you know, the older she gets, eventually we will start to eat more at the kitchen table, you know, starts, it, it makes sense. But when she's crying and she just won't sit still, yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense to, uh, try to have dinner with her. <laughs> it just, unfortunately, it just doesn't. My wife would, and I would never get to spend any time with each other or, and dinner time is very much a, a time where we spend time with each other. Now, I grew up in a family, and so did she, where we all eat dinner at the dinner table. So that is definitely something we will we will get back to. But And our daughter is uh, a little over a year old now, so we are going to start getting back into that, that routine. But anyways, we eat dinner at the coffee table. So I put the food down on the coffee table, and then I go wash my hands, and then I come back, and I touch the bag again to get everything out. And I'm like, I just washed my hands. not going to wash my hands again. But the thought crossed my mind at the time right? It, it just The reason I'm sh- telling you guys this is because I want to get across to you how insane this idea of locking down, this idea of, air quotes, isolation really is. You, you can't fully isolate yourself. You can say, oh yeah, Matthew, but at least you're reducing the risk. Are you? Are you really? Someone's touching your food. The person that's touching your food is probably touching their face. They're, they're breathing. It, 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 no, what help that people think that there is when it comes to this kind of stuff is largely psychological. And that's, that, that's the truth. But with that said, I was very much against these lockdowns in Texas. I very, I've criticized Governor Greg Abbott for locking down and declaring some businesses unessential. And even now, now he has come out and, and he has stated that we're not going to go lock down. We're not, we're, we're not going to lock down anymore, but we are still going to hold businesses in certain places at certain capacities. We're not going to let them open. What right do you have to violate the property rights of the people? Abbott thought you were a conservative. Was that just all talk to you? Considering the fact that you're a politician and I have a very bad look on politicians. I think that most of them are thieves scoundrels, snakes, they're akin to weasels, right? You can't trust them. Most of them, there are a few politicians out there that I would say are good politicians. And, you know, I, and I'm sure at least on the national level. Now, if you're, you talk about local level, there, there, might, there probably might be more. I heard the Young Americans for Liberty basically just came out and got a lot of very hardcore Liberty people to, they got them elected for a lot of different elections all across the entire United States. I can't remember how many, but it was in the hundreds. I think it was like two, three hundred candidates. They got elected. That's a pretty good number. And I think they all got, I'm not sure if it was all to their state legislatures or or exact, I'm I'm not entirely sure, but that's great. And those people are probably, I mean, time will tell, but those people are probably going to be pretty, you know, I would think are probably pretty good politicians. But the fact of the matter, ladies and gentlemen, is that Greg Abbott claims he's a freaking conservative. And yet he's locking down. And yet he's declaring that some businesses can't do what they want with their business. He's saying that, oh, you can't, you can't open up a hundred percent. You know, screw you, Greg Abbott, screw you. How dare you even call yourself a conservative? I mean, seriously, this is ridiculous. Uh, You know, I mean, I can understand, I guess, if you are uh, like the governor of Florida, okay, they locked down initially, but then he came out and he said, no, we're not locking down anymore. And ultimately he said they made a mistake. At least he acknowledges that. But freaking Greg Abbott, to the last of my knowledge, I don't think he has. 
And there are still restaurants that cannot open 100% capacity. Stop controlling and protecting the people. Let the people protect themselves. And this is just this is just beyond the pale to me. This is just outrageous. This, ladies and gentlemen, what needs to happen is we need to rise up. And I'm not actually recommending or endorsing a violent rebellion. But hey, when violence is needed, it's needed. Okay, I'm not a pacifist. But, but I don't think we're there yet. And I think that that would be a last resort. What I do think, though, is we need to rise up. We need to say enough is enough. We need to take a stand, you know, draw a line in the sand, and we say you will go no further. Our liberties have been trampled enough, and we want them back, and you're going to give them back, or you aren't going to be in politics anymore. I wouldn't be opposed to, uh, you know, certain people marching up there and, and locking them away in a jail, arresting them, citizens arrest. You have defiled the rights and the property rights of the people. I don't really think there's enough people that are willing to take that kind of risk. But seriously, when if the people were to decide we're just not going to listen, we're just going to, yeah, you, you can mandate whatever the heck you want. We're just not going to listen. There's no way they'd be able to enforce it. Even if they attempted to enforce it, they couldn't enforce it t- entirely. They just wouldn't be able to. They don't have the manpower to do so. They don't have the funding to do so. And frankly, I don't think they even would have the will to do so. I think that if we if we got enough people in Texas, in California, all over the country to stand up, and we got enough people to do that, they wouldn't be able to do anything about it. But that's what I think we need to do, ladies and gentlemen. And again, I'm not endorsing violence. What I am endorsing is standing up and drawing a line in the sand and saying, you will go no further than this. And in fact, we're going to push our line further. We're going to take back our liberties. We are going to nullify anything that you say. And guess what? If you don't do what we want, we're arresting you. And uh, you can you can basically step down from your office now. I mean, seriously, what is it going to take? What? How bad does it have to get for America to wake up that this is not about the virus? The virus, in fact, and a lot of different statistics and numbers are saying it's not even as bad as the flu. The flu kills more people every year than this thing. It's nothing more than a bad cold. Ladies and gentlemen, this is absurd. This is not about the virus. It never was. It's about control. That's what it's about. It's about control. It's about seeing how far you can go before the people start pitching a fit. How much power can you can you take? Where it's about probing society to see how much of a sh- how much sheep are we really? Are we really the dumb sheep that they think we are? How much control can we take? How much power can we take? How much how much of their liberties can we take before they say enough is enough? Before they start to claw it back? How much is enough? Have you ever asked that question? I'd say enough was enough a long time ago. The minute they did the lockdowns, the minute they started mandating how businesses should operate, whether businesses should operate at all, the minute they started mandating, you know, at what capacity businesses could operate, that should have been it. So ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to this today, if you, if you know of people, I, I think we need to start spreading the message. We need to start sounding the call. 
get people out there. I know, look, the podcast, my podcast is still very much in its infancy. So I know that we don't have, you know, millions of people listening, right? We will eventually get to that point. I think it's a pretty cool podcast if I do say so myself. Of course, I'm biased. I'm the one that make that makes it. But the fact of the matter is, is that the amount of people that listen, that would be enough. Start spreading the message that we need to start nullifying. Start spreading the message that we need to not capitulate. We need to dissent. We need to be non-compliant. No more listening to their rules anymore. Okay? That's that's my ultimate belief. No, no more. No more. I will not capitulate any longer. And the real question is, what exactly does that mean? I know a lot of you guys are going to be like, well, Matthew, that sounds really extreme. Ah, oh, it makes me uncomfortable. I don't know. How far do I have to go? What does that mean? You know, does it mean I shouldn't wear a mask inside of private businesses anymore? What does that mean? Well, okay. First and foremost, if uh, there are lockdown orders that are in place, personally, I'm, well... I'm not even sure I should be giving the advice. I don't want to be held li- legally liable. But if it was me, I wouldn't listen to the lockdown orders. I'd get out and I'd live my life how I normally live my life. If a business wants me to put a mask on, it's it's their private property. I'll do it if they if I have to, if they mandate it, right? But I know many businesses here in Texas that, yeah, while they have it on the signs, no one's really enforcing it. There are people that walk around the stores all the time with uh, their noses over the mask, with their with the mask down by their chin. Some people have taken them off entirely once they get inside and they're walking around. No one's enforcing this stuff. At least it's not being enforced very well. I went inside to a gas station the other day and none of the employees were wearing their masks. None of them. And I was like, yes. I'm so, I, I want to, you know, have, I want to clap my hands. I want to applaud this. I mean, this is amazing. Don't wear the masks. Not going to save your life anyways. Not going to help you one little bit. So I, I was, I was quite happy with that. If, but if it is the business's private property, I do stand for private property. So therefore, you know, in, in line with that, I think that it's perfectly fine to wear a mask in that sense. But if they're telling you not to get out of your house. They're telling you you can't you can't be in groups of a, a certain number. Tell them to go screw themselves. If if that's what they're telling you, I'd say if it was me, I'd say go screw yourself. I'm not going to listen to you. You have no right to tell me that. You have no legal authority to tell me that. You know, that's what that's what I would say. And I'd get out and I'd I'd continue to live my life. That's what I would do. Now, if they start saying, we're going to fine you, we're going to throw you in jail, at that point, unless you got a big, massive group of people, enough to the point where they can't arrest all of you, then I would say, you know, to each his own on that one, clearly, I don't think that most of us want to be the one person that goes to jail, gets a criminal record, or has to pay a fine, right? If, if, If you don't have a massive number of people, then you know, what are you really going to do? So at that point, you need to consider your family. You need to consider you. And I can't give you a recommendation on that. I'm not giving you a recommendation at all here. I'm just saying, I think we need to stand up and we need to start dissenting. We need to be dissenting this. We need to be attacking this. We need to be non-compliant as much as we can, right? And and obviously there are boundaries to that. You know, I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to go and get myself arrested. What's that? What good is that going to serve? 
I'm not going to go and I'm not going to stand in, you know, in some crowd and protest. No, but I'm going to live my life. You know, I don't think protesting does anything. I, I think it's a, it's basically akin to adults throwing a, a, a temper tantrum like a child. I want my freedoms. You won't get me my freedoms back. So I'm going to go out there and I'm going to, you know, pitch a fit, you know, maybe burn a car, burn a, burn a building, whatever. And well, actually that's rioting. That's, <laughs> that's rioting. Although rioting and, uh, and protesting are becoming synonymous these days. Uh, but you know, I'm going to go hold a, fl- hold a flag up and all this kind of garbage. Yeah. You, protesting doesn't do one freaking thing. Okay. It really doesn't. What I am saying is to live your life. I did a, a, an episode a little while ago and it was called, it, it's, it's time we get back to, to normal. We get back to a sense of normalcy, s- something along those lines. And ladies and gentlemen, I believe that very much today. They're doing the lockdowns because we're letting them do the lockdowns. That doesn't mean we gotta, we, we gotta uh, come together and protest. That doesn't mean we gotta, you know, take up arms and weapons and while I do like the idea of someone, you know, a, a group of people going up and basically arresting Gavin Newsom for violating the Constitution, for violating their property rights, for violating their their rights as American citizens. Well, I love the idea of that. I don't I, <laughs> I'm not recommending people go and do that. I just love the idea of it. And I, I would love to see that. But you got to have a lot of people to do that. You do. You need a lot of people. But I don't think that we have to go to... But look, we can still dissent. We can still be non-compliant. We just have to live our lives. Say, yeah, you, you can tell me that you're going to arrest me, but as long as I got a sheriff in town who's saying that they're not going to enforce any of this kind of stuff, which, you know, a lot of sheriffs aren't going to. They're just not going to say it. I, w- I think that as more sheriffs come out and say it, more and more will do it. That would be a form of non-compliant. We should applaud that. We should. We should be proud of that. Share the news. Spread the word. Right? But look, in the end, you got to decide what you, what's best for your family. All right? Uh, that is what you ultimately have to decide. You have to decide what is best for you and your family and, and whatnot. I'm not recommending you go putting yourself in danger. Okay. I'm not recommending that. I'm not, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that, look, if there was to be a lockdown here in Texas, and I know it's easy for me to say this because I know that there isn't, or at least that their claim that there isn't going to be. If there's going to be some form of a lockdown in Texas, I would still get out of my house. I would still go live my life. I would. What are they going to do? You know, I would still, I mean, I would still live my life. I wouldn't stop, right? Now, I'm a homebody anyways, right? I mean, I don't get out that much. I'm a stay-at-home dad. You know, I, I, I'm home all the time taking care of my daughter and my, my, while my, my wife is working and whatnot. I don't really get out that much to begin with, but I still continued to get out. I did not wear my mask unless a business requested that I wear the mask on their property. But ladies and gentlemen, it's time to rise up. It's time to be non-compliant here. They only have power in which we, that, that which we give them. If we were to come up and we were to say that enough is enough, we're just not going to listen anymore. We got enough, we got sheriffs that are, that they're saying we're not going to, we're not going to enforce these laws, these regulations. If we go, you know, if, if we got enough of that going on, then Hey, can, you know, take advantage of that. You know, I'm not trying to say you got to go out 
and you've got to get arrested. Okay? We all need to do what is best and what's with our own self-interests and stuff. What I'm trying to say is we don't have to capitulate 100%. There are things that we can do. We can dissent. We can be non-compliant. So that being said, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to engage in that kind of stuff, then basically what I'm saying is if you live in a state, if you live in a country that says if you get out of your house, we're going to arrest you, okay? I'm not recommending that you go get out of your house and get arrested. What I'm recommending, do as much as you can within the boundaries that you live in, right? You know, if you can basically get out, then get out. If you don't have to wear a mask, then, you know, if it was me, I wouldn't. Not if I didn't have to. When we're talking about this with people, we need to, effectively, we, we need to be careful about the terminology. We need to stop referring to this as a pandemic. We need to start referring to it as lockdowns were the pandemic, not the virus itself. It's a whole host of things that we can do. But frankly, the more and more people stand up and say, yeah, we're not, I mean, I love the idea of seeing businesses say, yeah, we're not, we're not going to, we're not going to uh, capitulate. We're not going to be compliant. We're going to continue to open up at hundred percent capacity. You want to find me? Then fine. Go ahead and find me. But I'm not going to stop. You want to arrest me? Then you know what? That's my choice. I chose to put myself out there. If, you know, I don't like seeing people go to jail, but I, I, I love seeing that kind of dissent. If more businesses did that, then they wouldn't be able to arrest everyone. Eventually, it would get to a point where they would drop it. So, ladies and gentlemen, look, the fact of the matter is, is that I, I don't know how long they're going to continue the, the, the shenanigans for. I have no idea. But if we don't start rising up against it, if we don't start speaking out against it, if we don't start taking some risks, and again, I'm not suggesting you got to go get yourself arrested, but if we don't start taking some risks, then I, I don't know if this is ever going to end. If they do finally decide to let off and they say that, oh, well, it was because it would have been way worse if we had into the lockdowns. No, we need to rise up. We need to rise up and we need to say that is not true. It was never bad to begin with. We need to start drawing attention to the deaths that have been caused due to these lockdowns. The amount of businesses and economic destruction that has occurred. You know, if, if that doesn't happen and, and they're saying things along the lines of, you know, we need to lock down again, we need to speak up and we need to say no. You have the ability to, then you should. This is absolutely insane, ladies and gentlemen. It's absolutely insane. And, and it, it really hurts to see a nation that I grew up in, a, a beautiful nation, where just people capitulating this much. You know, their freedoms being not even eroded away because erosion implies a period of time, a long period of time passing. No, it's just being taken away. It's being stolen right out from under their feet. It's sad. It really is. We need people to rise up. We need people in power to rise up. You know, uh, that that's what we need to do. That's what we need ha to happen. You know, look, I think a lot of things that we can do, we, we can focus on ourselves, focus on becoming financially free, things of that nature. And I think that's all very good. And I think that that's the stuff we should primarily focus on. But if we feel that there's something that we can do and affect real change, maybe move the culture in, in the right direction, things of that nature, then we need to try. 
that's my personal opinion. That's what I'm doing right now. Lead by example, right? I'm coming in here and I'm dissenting. I'm publishing my stuff on social media. I am dissenting. I am saying that this is wrong. We should not do this. We need to get back to a sense of normalcy. We need to start getting back to normal. I've been, I've been saying that for a long time now. And I've been practicing it, not just behind the mic. If the business requires me to wear a mask, then fine, I'll wear a mask. But outside of that, I am, I'm not wearing a mask. I'm not wearing a mask in my car. I'm not wearing a mask outside when I'm walking around. I'm not doing that. The fact of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, is that there are things that we can do. We are not 100% powerless here. And they might, might seem small, but in the end, it means something. But to stay silent is not going to help. Now, I'm not trying to say, again, I want to preface this. I'm not trying to say go spend all your time on social media, whining, complain about it. I'm not trying to say that, okay? I'm not trying to say to go get into arguments on social media. You know that how I feel about those things. The things are very ineffective. They don't really work. They don't really help. What I'm saying is if if you're a blogger, write a blog about something. Write a blog about it about how it's hurting the poor, how the poorest among us are being hurt the worst by this, these lockdowns. The people who don't have the ability to work from home on their laptops. You know what we should be saying is if you've got a podcast, talk about it. You've got a YouTube channel, talk about it. You know, if you have some power, if you are a politician, if you know politicians, start Putting a bug in the air. Start talking to them about it. Start voicing your opinion to them. You know, we got to do as much as we can here. So anyways, ladies and gentlemen, let's go ahead and hop into the affiliate programs. If you guys, you ever felt like you you just, your education is sorely lacking. I mean, you went through high school, you went through college, and you just feel like you just don't really have the education that, that you thought you did. You know, there's a lot of, when you go to college, they say, oh, you're educated, you're highly intelligent and, and all this kind of stuff. And when you get out to the real world, you're like, holy crap, there was a lot I didn't know. And I'm not even entirely sure if what I was taught was even right. Have you ever asked that question? What are they teaching you? And is it even right? Are they even right? Is it revisionist history? You know, history that they made up to, to benefit themselves, to, basically to support their narrative? Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you feel that you have been a victim of educational malpractice, as Tom Woods likes to say, then go check out Tom Woods' Liberty Classroom. Ladies and gentlemen, Liberty Classroom is one of the most amazing platforms for education. You know, it's more intended for high school and college students and stuff, but it's it's so much knowledge that I wanted to buy membership for the Liberty Classroom for quite some time, and I finally broke down and did. I got a master membership classroom because I don't like to pay monthly fees and stuff of that nature. So that's what I went ahead and did. And I'll be honest, I totally underestimated how much content was in it. Very, very underestimated. I mean, heavily underestimated. There's so much stuff. It's going to take me, I feel like it's going to take me forever to get through it. But I am going to get through it all. And what I do like about it, they got a bunch of videos that you can watch with, you know, PowerPoint slides and stuff of that nature. But if you don't have time to sit down and watch it on your, your cell phone, your computer screen, iPad, whatever, you can get out there and you can listen to it. And that, and because it's in the audio, you can download the audio files. You can listen to it, you know, while you're driving to work. You can do a whole bunch of stuff. I think it's really, really, really cool that people are doing that. I think it's absolutely amazing. So, ladies and gentlemen, look, the fact of the matter is that we're, we've all been hurt by educational malpractice, or at least the vast majority of us have. 
right? You know, I'm homeschooled and I believe my parents did a bang up job of, of teaching me and homeschooling me and freeing my mind from the public school system. But I will say this, they were, pub- my parents were public schooled, right? And while they definitely had opinions with regards to a whole host of subjects that you would not, I never would have gotten in a public school scenario. The fact of the matter is, is that even they were taught things that may not have been right. With that said, ladies and gentlemen, the fact of the matter is is that we've all had some kind of educational malpractice being done to us. You know, history, civics, you know, economics, whatever it is you learned, you probably learned the wrong thing. Probably didn't learn all the different perspectives there are about it. You just learned that this is just, this is just the way that it is. And it's not. So ladies and gentlemen, look, how you fix this, you go re-educate yourself. You go get yourself a membership for Tom Woods Liberty Classroom and you start watching the courses. You start fixing all of the educational malpractice and all the damage it's done. You start fixing that. You start heavily educating yourself and preparing yourself and, and not, not only just for the sake of fixing educational malpractice, but also, you know, for the sake of preparing yourself for conversation with your leftist friends or, or people that might come after you. You need to be well-versed in this stuff. It's not enough to just, you know, come here and listen every single day. You need to take action. So ladies and gentlemen, look, if it sounds interesting to you, if you're interested in learning all the stuff that you should have learned in high school, but you're, you're interested in learning it the right way. If you're interested in, in basically making yourself deadly with regards to, and dangerous with regards to the knowledge that you know, and that making yourself just being able to crush those leftist ideologies and those debates that you're having with maybe your friends or whatnot, then go check out the Liberty Classroom by Tom Woods. It's, it's got, there's so much value in it. Ladies, I absolutely love it. And I'm, I'm loving every minute of it. So if you guys are interested, go check it out. All right. Now, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, you know, we talk on the show here all the time about investing in your own human capital. And frankly, it's something that we all need to be doing regardless of whether it's good times or bad times. But here's the problem. A lot of people don't know where to go. They don't know what to look into. If you're interested in becoming financially free by taking control of the source of your income, there's a lot of people out there that don't know where to go to learn some skills that other people would find valuable. So what do you do in that situation? Well, you go to Skillshare. Ladies and gentlemen, Skillshare is an educational platform that's got thousands of high quality courses that teach you all kinds of stuff from photography to coding to trading. You can you can do stuff for investing, trading in stocks, forex options. They've got all kinds of stuff, photography, you know, how to fly drones even. That's that's pretty cool. They got all kinds of courses that are out there. And really it's not that expensive at all. Look, whether you want to become financially free or not, you need to be reinvesting in yourself and building your human capital. Okay. If you want to become financially free, but you don't know what you want to do, go learn a skill, go get some experiences, right? That's the best way to do it. You know, how else are you going to be able to decide what you want? You got to learn stuff. You got to get out there and learn skills to be able to determine, okay, well, what, what kind of things do I like? What I don't like? Okay. I think I like this. I'll go choose this and I'll try to build a business off of it. You know, if you don't want to take control of the source of your income, then and you're fine with working for somebody else. Okay. But then you need to be making yourself as incredible, as important as you possibly can. Now, granted, I mean, unless you are incredibly pivotal to the business and and they cannot afford to lay you off, ladies and gentlemen, I think the vast majority of us are not in that boat. 
So I still think that taking control of the source of your income is the best way to do it. But look, regardless, we need to be investing in our own human capital. We need to be constantly learning. We need to be constantly making ourselves more valuable. So go check out Skillshare. It's a great platform to, to go. Right now, they're giving you guys two weeks for free, which is absolutely amazing. You know, that'll give you guys the ability to check out their, their platform, to check out the courses that are on there, see if it's something that you would find value in. And ultimately, guys, it, it, it's really great, great. So go check them out. See what you think. If you're interested, get involved and you will not only be be getting access to a lot of value, but you will also be, you know, supporting the show at the same time. And last but not least, ladies and gentlemen, we talk about inflation and economics all the time on this show. You know, we've been talking recently about how central banks are coming up with their own centralized digital currencies, their own cryptocurrencies, but they're not decentralized like Bitcoin or Ethereum. They're centralized. And that is very, very scary. But look, why do they want to do this? Well, they want to do it because they want to take away the ability for you to hide your purchases and, and avoid taxes. They also want to do it to be able to, to possibly control what you can and cannot buy. And um, on top of that, you know, they want to do it so they can engage in a ton of print money printing. Fact of the matter is, is that that's probably one of the major reasons. By going digital, it gives them the ability to effectively control the money supply even more so. And we all know what's going to happen, right? America's pretty much already on a digital currency. The vast majority of transactions that occur in this country occur digitally. They don't, you know, with a debit card, credit card, but you can still get physical cash. There will be a day where that doesn't happen. There will be a day where you cannot get physical cash anymore. And that's one of the the objectives of having this cryptocurrency and whatnot. And at the same time, ladies and gentlemen, they're talking about printing a ton of money. They're talking about giving every citizen an app and that if unemployment were to tick up, they basically inject those apps with money straight into your bank account. Look, that's a scary, scary notion. That's helicopter money, right? That is an avenue to helicopter money. And if they're talking about it, you know that at some point in time, they're going to get around to doing it. They're just kind of prepping. They're just kind of laying the groundwork. So ladies and gentlemen, what are we going to do? If high inflation is coming, how are we going to protect ourselves? How are we going to protect our finances? There's a a number of ways to do this. First and foremost, you you can invest in real estate, fine art. You can invest in cryptocurrencies, a whole host of stuff. I mean, but let's be honest, you know, real estate's expensive. It's out of the reach for most people. Fine art's great. It's not very liquid. It's not easy to sell. Crypt, uh, you know, real estate can be the, exactly the same way. It's just it's so expensive. It's not easy to sell. And whatnot. Well, it's, it might be easy to sell in a very, very good market it, it, when it comes to real estate. It's not really when it comes to fine art. It's just, you got to find an art collector and a whole host of other stuff. So, you know, I, I don't know much about selling art, but I, it's not the most liquid of stuff. You don't have the, the ability to sell it that easily. Uh, unless you've got suppliers, unless you're just set up for it. Most people don't know where, where to go to even buy the fine art or where to go to sell it for that matter. And then there's, of course, cryptocurrencies. And while I absolutely love cryptocurrencies, I'm constantly, you know, doing my research and I'm getting pretty close here to where I'm going to be getting involved in some, you know, f- to be completely frank with you, it's a complicated thing. And a lot of people stay out of it because they simply just do not understand it. And that's really, that's what you should do. If you don't understand it, don't invest in it, stay out of it. But there's a lot of people that don't. It's a, it's complicated stuff. It's, a, it's very much seen as complicated. And so there's a lot of people who stay out of it. And so what would you do? You know, if you don't want to engage in any of that kind of stuff, what do you do? You know, I mean, I, at one point in time, looked at investing in diamonds. I thought that was pretty cool. But then I was like, well, who am I going to sell them to? Most jewelers already have access to their suppliers where they get them wholesale and all that kind of stuff. So that's not going to be a viable option. So what are you to do? How are we going to protect our money? How are we going to protect our wealth? Well, precious metals is always out there. 
It's a great way to do it. While there are lots of really highly expensive metals out there, such as palladium, platinum, and then there's gold, you know, but there's a lot of other affordable ones like silver. Ladies and gentlemen, silver is my favorite way of building up my insurance policy and my hedge against inflation. What I like to do is I like to buy bullion coins, sovereign coins that also have a value as legal tender as well, although the amount that they're typically worth in legal tender is a paltry sum compared to the amount of so the silver that's underlying these coins. But, but the fact of the matter is, look, I love silver. I think it's one of the best ways to build up that hedge against inflation. Personally, I think that most people can get involved in it. It's very simplistic to understand. It's not a difficult market. And on top of that, look, it's just one of those things where you can buy silver and it's very liquid. I mean, there are coin shops all over the area where I live, at least, where I know that I could go and sell. I could sell it at a pawn shop. I know there are coin collecting stores that I can go and sell my coins to if I need to. And a lot of times the places where I'm buying the coins, I can uh, easily go in and sell them there as well. So anyways, ladies and gentlemen, look, belabor the point enough. The fact of the matter is this, all right? If you want to get involved in, in investing in precious metal, go check out Money Metals Exchange. Money Metals Exchange is one of my favorite places to go and buy silver. It's a really, really great place. They offer a great service with good product, and it's just, it's awesome. My first silver was bought at Money Metals Exchange. I bought a Britannia coin. So it was really, it's really, really cool. It's a really great place. And ladies and gentlemen, they are currently running a referral program where if you mention my name at checkout, then you will get a free silver coin. How cool is that? So if you're interested in building up that silver portfolio, consider going there. You got to be a new customer. Okay. So you got to be a new customer, mention my name at the checkout, and then you will get a free silver coin. It'd be another, it's just a great way to build up that silver portfolio. So if you're interested in any of that, go check them out, see what you think. And you know, you'll be supporting the show as well as getting value yourself. All right. So now that we're getting towards the, the, the last half of the show, uh, before we do uh, real quick, because I know the affiliates kind of took a bit of time. I'm going to be doing a program here soon where I'm going to be reading articles from the American Institute for Economic Research, the Foundation for Economic Education, and the Mises Institute. Okay, there's a lot. I'm going to be turning them into audio files and I'm going to be offering this as a service, a paid for service. Now, why am I doing this? Well, there's a lot of people that are out there that want to engage in this content. They want to make sure that they're, they're up to speed on what's going on economically, politically, and they want to also just engage in a lot of education. They want to educate themselves in these areas, but they don't have the time to read this stuff. It's a very serious problem. There's lots of people out there that would love to read these articles. They just don't have the time. So I thought, well, if I turn them into audio files and people can go and they can listen in their car on their way to work, on their way home from work, you know, maybe on their lunch break and whatnot. So I thought that would be very, very valuable for people to ultimately get involved in. So if you're interested in that and, and you want to get involved in that, email me via Matthew at newmillenniumwealth.com. I will post my email in the show notes page below. And if, if you're interested in doing something of that nature, it's not going to be expensive. Okay. It's going to be very, very affordable. So, but if you're interested in that, email me below, then let me know you're interested. All right. So ladies and gentlemen, now that we covered all that, you know, I mean, when we're, ta- we're talking about all this, this, this idea of nullification, this idea of rising up and, and taking back our freedoms. And, and I mentioned in there that we need to make sure that we got good people in power and in office and stuff on the local level. Level, so that we can engage in this kind of of nullification, and we can and we can have people that will support us in our efforts to claw our liberty and our freedoms back. But how do we do that? You know, I I, I always hate it when there's people out there that are constantly talking about how this is a problem. We need to fix it, but they never really offer any real tangible ways of doing it. So I always try to offer a tangible way and give people an idea of what we can do in order to go ahead and affect the real change. And well, frankly, 
you know, while I'm very much against democracy and voting and I, I don't like it at all, but when it comes to the local level, like I said, I can see a point in it. I can see a, I can definitely see a justification for that. And when we're talking about nullification, that's probably one of the best ways to do it. You know, to vote on the local level, to get involved in those local elections, and, it, you know, maybe to give money and to support those local campaigns, maybe to support those uh, local politicians. You know, a lot of times they don't have a lot of money, right? I mean, I know a political campaign for, say, the Texas state legislature and stuff, at least in my area, can run anywhere from like 60000 to six figures, you know, somewhere in the $100,000 range. And the biggest issue is that there's a lot of good people out there that really, really want to get involved in that kind of stuff, but they do not have the money to do it. So, you know, if you've got money contributing to their campaigns and, and helping them out and getting involved in, and understanding who that person is, maybe talking with that individual and uh, do some research on them, see if they're really a liberty-loving people. You know, these are the ways that we go ahead and we start clawing back our freedoms and our liberty. We get involved. You know, I'm not trying to say you got to go knock doors door to door, but if you have time and you have the passion and the desire to do that, then yeah, go and do it right? Go and do it for, for the candidate that you think is really going to help. And ladies and gentlemen, again, on a local, on a national level, no, I wouldn't, I don't think it's worth your time or effort, but on the local level, I can see an argument made for that, right? I can see an argument made to try to get people into office that can really truly affect our daily lives. You know, the local officials that are in your area, they can truly affect your daily lives. So I, I truly believe that in that sense, we need good people and we need to support those people. So again, if you got politicians in your area that you know of that are running for campaigns, you'll consider contributing some finances to them or any kind of aid uh, that you can offer them. And uh, you, but make sure you do your research, make sure that that liberty is really something that they effectively value and that they're not just going to turn tail and run the minute they get in there. Make sure that they are principled. The Young Americans for Liberty is, is is doing this. I just listened to a great episode with them on Tom Woods. And, you know, again, it may sound a bit hypocritical for me because I don't like democracy and I, I've, I've spoken against democracy and voting for a long time now. And, and I still very much do not believe it. I don't feel that I'm being hypocritical by saying this, but I still don't believe in that kind of stuff. You know, I still don't think that voting is very effective. I still don't think that, you know, in the end, uh, democracy and republics work. But, you know, with that said, I think it would be, you know, in terms of support, you don't have to go and vote. You can you can contribute your time. You can contribute money. Money is by far one of the best things that you can do. Uh, you know, I mean, if you're very, very wealthy, and if you're not, you should try to become it, you know, but if you're very, very wealthy, you can contribute a lot of finance, a lot of money that makes the politicians value who you are, and it changes the type of effect that you can have. But with that said, you know, when I was uh, listening to that Tom Woods episode, he had a guest on there He was who was the president of the, the Young Americans for Liberty, and he was saying how, if nothing else, getting a microphone, and not a physical microphone, right, but getting a microphone, a platform, to where people will listen to you, and getting your ideas out there, you become a Texas state legislator, whether, whether we like to agree with it or not, that lends instant credibility to you. It really does. So, you know, whether there are people out there like to admit it or not, if you become a, a Texas state legislature or a legislature in your, in your state, that ends instant credibility. That gives you a platform. That gives you a microphone to talk about these ideas of liberty and freedom. And that alone, when I heard him say that, that was like, huh, 
I never really viewed it in that way before. I never really thought about it that, like that. But he's right. It gives them a platform that uh, the individuals that are running for the, who win the, those elections stuff, it gives them a platform to, in effect, you know, try to affect change, try to change the culture. And if nothing else, if it doesn't change anything, at least on the political level, it might at least change something with regards to the, the, the culture and it might get people to think about their positions and whether or not they're on the right side of things. It builds a platform and it gets our ideas out there. So whether or not it's um, effective in terms of changing politics, politics is downstream from culture. And if we can affect the culture, then that's, I, th- I think that's something to consider. I think that that could be a, an avenue that someone tries. And I can see an argument for that. I think that that's a, a good argument to make. Again, you know, if nothing else, to get your ideas out there, to get that instant credibility. If nothing else, it, it moves your brand, your personal brand forward. And it gets more people aware of who you are. It gets your name out there. And then it gets people that listen to you and, and hover around the words that you say. And then, and then once you do that, then you can, and you can build a very good following that way. Then you, that gives you a platform to basically get these ideas and spread these ideas as far as you can go. Now, you don't need to become a politician to do this. But in some people's eyes, becoming a politician earns you instant credibility. Right or wrong, that, that's what it does. I, I think it's wrong, but <laughs> to, for lack of a better, I think it's absolutely wrong. So anyways, I think that's one way that we can affect it. If we, That's one way that we can try to influence and have real effect on our, on our liberties and freedoms is ensuring that we get good people in local governments. And ultimately, again, whether that's giving them money or, or whatnot, whether that's voting, you know, whatever it is, make sure that we get good liberty loving people in there. And uh, it, it's a lot of work. It, it, it really, really, truly is. With that said, when it comes to voting in democracy, I, I do not go back on anything that I have said before. I don't think it's effective. I don't think the vast majority of people really, truly think about what they're voting on and they don't really know about the problems. They're usually a one-issue type of voter. I think the vast majority of people who vote shouldn't really be voting at all. Because they don't really understand the issues. They don't understand, you know, the complexity of of the economy, even on a state level. They don't understand the complexities of the economy in that sense. They don't have the time. They're busy with their own lives. So even at that point, I still think that it's ineffective. But like I said, there is a better argument to be made on the local level. And there are way more, there are a lot more ways that you guys can get out there and support those candidates than simply just voting. Now, you may not agree with me on the voting thing, right? And hey, if you're going to vote, local elections are probably the better way to go. If I was going to vote, and, and you know, I mean, I, that, that would be the way I'd go. I'd go with, fo- I would focus on the local elections, which does take a lot of time, a lot of research. You've got to research a lot of that kind of stuff. But if I was going to vote, that's, that's what I would do. So that's my opinion. So you know, take it for what it's worth. But I, I genuinely do believe that if, if you're going to affect real change, if you're going to, you know, do anything, I think you're going to have more, a, a much better effect on the local level. And I think that if you're going to vote, that's the way to go. But I think we need to rise up. I think we need to engage in some nullification here. We need to start saying, yeah, we're not going to capitulate. And we're going to start to, and we're going to be dissenting and things of that nature. We need to be non-compliant and not just be silent. 
We need to not be silent. And on top of that, in order to ensure all the, you know, how we get really great people, liberty loving people into office, we need to find those people in those elections and we need to, you know, support them in one way or another, whether that, again, whether that's giving them money or going out and vote, whatever you, whatever you think you can contribute, that would be the way to do it. But just make sure that you do your research, make sure that they're actually liberty loving and they're principled individuals. All right. Make sure that that's the case. All right. So that said, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to be the end for the episode. Hope you enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. If you did and you liked it a lot, then make sure to hit that like and subscribe button. And also, if you're loving what I'm doing here, then please share the show. Get out there, hit that share button wherever you are, whether you are on Facebook, Twitter, Parlor, wherever it is, you know, make sure to share the show. Help me spread this message of financial freedom and personal empowerment to as many people as we can get to listen. That said, please also, if you're loving what I'm doing here, go leave me a rating a review on iTunes. And if you really, really love the show, you want to become a contributor, a supporter of the show, then, uh, you know, consider giving a donation to the show. It not only helps me to come in here and helps me to pay the bills and and keep the lights on here and, and come in here and provide you guys content each and every week, but... It also helps with spreading this message of financial freedom to as many people as we can get to listen. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you'll do all that for me, I'll see you guys in the next episode. As always, know the risks, plan accordingly, and have a great day. 